New Photic Realm announcement. Uh, submission windows for upcoming issues. Issue 10, the theme is justice. That's hard-boiled fiction with a supernatural twist. The deadline for that will be April 1st, 2020. Issue 11, the theme is kaiju. Giant monsters terrorizing civilization. Deadline will be October 1st, 2020 for those stories. Issue 12, the theme is lycanthropy, which is, of course, self-explanatory. Um, it can be any type of animorph with a bloody twist. Uh, so I guess that's werewolves and Jesus, giant, I don't know. What do people turn into? Seals? I've just got a little seal on my desk, so I thought of that. I don't know. You have to be more imaginative than I just was. Uh, but the deadline for lycanthropy, January 1st, 2021. Good luck to everyone submitting. is Alexander Piles. Uh, his first debut release is Milo. It's out with the Radix Media. It's like a short story chapbook thing. It's really cool. It's got lovely art. It's a great story. I hope you will check it out. So we talk about that and about uh, writing in general and life and so on as we always do. If you are a reader, writer, or somebody who wants to be on the show, uh, or if you want to tell me something about the show, you can always do so using losingtheplotpodcast at gmail.com and I look forward to hearing from you. Uh, but that's all my intro chat, so here is my conversation with Alexander Piles. Where in the world are you? Um, I'm in, like, just, uh, I would say, like, northwest of Chicago, Illinois, in the U.S. So, okay. yeah, just out among the cornfields over here. So is that where you're from? No, I'm originally from, actually, the East Coast, um, uh, from, a, like, more of a tourist area called Virginia Beach. Um, mm -hmm. in Virginia, obviously. So, um, so yeah, I desperately miss the ocean, <laughs> but, uh, my wife's family is, um, from out here. So, so that's where we, you know, where we are right now, at least. Cool. How, how long have you been there for? Um, going on, uh, I think mm, four years. So four years. Yeah. Is it near where you did your MFA or was that somewhere else? No, that was elsewhere. Um, I did my MFA um, at Seton Hill in Greensburg, PA, um, which is just on the other side of Pittsburgh. Um, and, uh, but I was actually in Ohio. So, which was like, you know, just over the line. So mm -hmm. it's, uh, but um, yeah, because I was working in Cleveland at the time while okay. doing my MFA. So, so you yeah. chose it like as a because of where you were working. 
it was sort of um, a two for one. My, um, I had a friend from undergrad who basically talked me into it because I was in grad school at the moment and he was wrapping up his um, senior year of college and uh, I was kind of spinning my wheels. I was getting my MA in philosophy at the time and I was like, I don't think I'm going to go into academia. And then it's always a question of like, well, what do you do with an MA in philosophy aside from go to law school, which I wasn't interested in. And uh, he was like, well, how about you just take that and like write genre because the program um, at Seton Hill is a, like a writing popular fiction um, MFA, um, which I think at the time was like maybe, I think it was like two or three in the whole country as far as like specifically writing genre fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, all right. And it was like low, re- it's a low residency program. So like I'm only there or we were only there for um, like five days, twice a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then everything else was remote. Um, which worked out great for someone who didn't really want to be in school any longer. So, um, so yeah, and it just so happened that it just worked out geographically that Seton Hill was like within, you know, three hours of where I was. And um, yeah, so, so in some ways it was like partly nearby and partly what I was interested in. So, and is science fiction your thing or just popular fiction in general? What did you want to write? What do you write? Yeah, so um, so it's kind of expanded now, but then it was mostly science fiction because it was um, the genre that I was primarily working in. Um, and from like the philosophical standpoint that I was at, it was like how the best way it seemed was like the best way to incorporate both was doing science fiction. Um, yeah. My, uh, the, the two, two science fiction writers that, cause I was kind of a late bloomer coming into um, science fiction anyway, it wasn't until really like late high school uh, college that I really got into it. But I, I read a lot of, um, that's so Dune, which I guess is kind of like definitely in vogue right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and actually Octavia Butler's Parable of the Sower was, and both of those two books, which have like very, you know, very opposite ends of the spectrum, I feel like it was the it kind of the sort of like, uh, you know, social and like philosophical underpinnings that like really brought me into science fiction and made me like mm-hmm. really enjoy the genre. Um, so, yeah, so my my thesis um, for the MFA program was basically like science fiction, like space opera ish novel. Um and, but since then I've kind of, I don't know, I'm kind of like been flirting with all the different genres at this point, you know, um, I'm still operating very much in science fiction, um, but I have been experimenting a little bit with like some, um, like a little bit of fantasy, like maybe like borderline, um, like magical realism or something like that, mm. um, you know, all the way up to like horror and like weird fiction too. So um, kind of. I don't know. Many genres. I can't really pick one at the moment, at least. Yeah, so. figuring it out speculative in general. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's, it's good to it's good to explore. It's good to try stuff out. Um, like you, I think I, I discovered science fiction really late, and then by the time I was reading it, like especially if you read contemporary sci-fi, it's almost written mm-hmm. for people who have been reading it for decades. So you pick up a yeah. book, and I'm like, what the hell is this? What are they even yeah. talking about? Um, yeah. 
I've never I've never felt so blocked out of a genre as science fiction. I think it feels like the yeah. it can be at times the least accessible. Yeah, yeah. And there are some like I think that there I mean it's a great time to be reading science fiction too. Like even though like yeah, definitely have come across those issues too. Um, especially in the beginning. But now that I've like gone back and kind of like done my homework and read like the you know, I've gone back and read Asimov and um a little bit of Heinlein, like the problem with me is that like I don't always enjoy classics. Like the only probably like classic writer I really enjoy, um, I think all the way around would be be like Lagoon. But um, you know, but yeah, no, I totally agree with you on that point. But I don't know. There are some good writers I think that do have like some uh, I don't know, like introductory, like almost, or it doesn't. I don't know. I don't want to degrade them either by saying that they're introductory, but they don't like. There isn't this high bar of like knowledge that you need to know of this genre. Like I don't. Yeah. Um, is it like I'm trying to think of what? Like Gareth Powell, I think writes like some great like space opera that like you don't need. Like I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend like uh, Adrian Tukovsky's like uh, Children of Time mm-hmm. to a newbie. But right. Um, <clears throat> but I don't know. Those, uh, I don't know. There, there's a plethora out there for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, it's always good to know because I think that um, I love science fiction, I think, for the same reasons you do. It has the most interesting yeah. philosophical questions. Like, um, you know, the, the types of abstractions that you can make in science fiction to reflect what it means to be human. I love that. I love that so much. And, like, especially when you're speculating about, like, the directions that technology might go, like, that's the one thing that science fiction can do that other genres don't... Um, I love that. And that's why I'm sad when, you know, people find it inaccessible because I, I do too. Like I, I, I'm much, yeah. I've got a, t- a ton of science fiction books and sometimes I'm afraid of opening them in case they're one of those, you know, <laughs> just like you've got like a dictionary, Wikipedia, Google, like what the hell is this? But you, uh, your first release is Milo. Tell, uh, tell listeners what it's about. Yeah. So um, Milo is, um, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of almost a simple story to some degree, but it's uh, so we follow um, Milo, who has a like degenerative disease, um, which will eventually like take his life. But um, it isn't until his um, he has a best friend who brings to him a possible solution of not only like um, curing him of his degenerative disease, but also like giving him like kind of a new lease on life which um, just so happens to be like a new robot body. Um, but it turns out that that, you know, the solution here might not actually be a good solution for mm-hmm. Milo. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's um, pretty much it. But the, I think with, um, I don't know, I think, I feel like I'm borrowing like a lot, I borrow a lot of tropes clearly in Milo too. So there's just a lot going on there. Um, but yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, um, was it inspired by your philosophy background? Um, mm, a little bit. Um, just because um, I, I subs- if I subscribe to any school in philosophy, which um, I try really hard not to, I do like subscribe to like uh, the existentialist kind of like, who are you know, who am I as an individual, and who are people in this broader sense and so i would say that that's probably maybe like one thread um 
that inspired Milo. Um, probably the bigger um, thread for me was like my mom um, had MS um, growing up um, until um, she had those complications with MS. She like passed away in 2016. Um, and she was kind of the larger um, inspiration for all of that, channeled a lot of like what I saw of her like struggle with MS and her like struggle with being um, disabled and sick all the time. Um, I channeled a lot of that into like Milo's own sort of like persona. So that's probably like the larger exploration of that. Um, and uh, probably more what I'm like borrowing heavily from. Yeah, I, I didn't know about that personal element, but now I, now I see why you're doing that. It seems almost like you're, um, like without any spoilers, of course, it yeah. seemed to me that the, yeah. the lesson overall seemed to be that you can't escape decay or entropy at all. You know, right. like there's no, there is no perfect solution. There's no like, everything can fall apart. Um, do you agree with that lesson? Is that maybe you kind of reassuring yourself about this because this obviously isn't wasn't available mm -hmm. for your for your mother? Yeah, it's kind of it's definitely well, it's obviously like me working through my grief a little bit, but it's also kind of um, yeah, like trying to. I always wanted there to be a solution for her or like a more like easier way for her to cope because I mean she. Uh, I mean, MS is just sort of this progressive thing that plateaus for a while and it would get worse. And for her, like she, she, I never saw her walking ever like by herself when I was a kid, you know, cause it, she was diagnosed very early. Um, I think I was like maybe three at the time. Wow. And then she was like using a, a cane and a walker by the time I could remember her walking. And then she was like using a wheelchair more um, in my like early teens. And then it wasn't until like, my late teens going to school that she was like more or less permanently confined to a wheelchair and all of that. So, um, so I will always wanted there to be like, you know, it was always my frustration with like the, obviously like the healthcare industry and sort of like doctors in general and like, and you know, the whole superstructure that goes into that, um, uh, of trying to figure out like, well, why can't there just be something right. And MS to me always seems like one of those, um, I mean, it's like any chronic or like very, um, I don't know what the word would be, like auto, like autoimmune disease, like those diseases are always to me sort of um, second tier when it comes to at least concerns when we like look at it in the lens of like the broader picture of like versus cancer, all of that, which I know isn't the best way of putting it as far as because I'm not, um, I'm not trying to angle diseases at each other or anything like that, mm. but there's, you know, there is like, you know, as far as like the media is concerned, the media always puts an emphasis on like cancer and, you know, more like, you know, shock value or not even shock value, but like the prevalent diseases versus like lesser ones. And MS doesn't have that kind of like, uh, for lack of a better word, like sexy element to it when it comes to news stories. So you never really hear about it or like, you know, um, I remember growing up, my mom always had an ear out for like the latest, you know, experimental thing or whatever. And it was always like wondering like, all right, when is the FDA going to shoot this down? Right. Like as far as it being approved for like actual public use. Um, so 
I don't know there because there's definitely an element of that in Milo as far as like dealing with the health like the health industry at large and like what doctors do or don't tell you and um the you know the fallout from that which is me kind of wrestling with it um yeah I, I want to stay away from spoilers myself but yeah as far as like the I don't know this overarching theme of the book to me it was just like strictly just trying to realize that um we're trying to maybe write to myself a little bit as much as my as much as my mom was sick it was good that I was there which is why it was so key for Milo to have like a good friend there throughout and like to make sure that like he's taken care of and supported and like given some sort of counter element here because I would I'm always um maybe I'm a little bit you know I don't know what with the depth of the parent you're always kind of like too hard on yourself as far as like was I there enough? Did I say the right thing? There's all that regret. So it's some of that is also like being processed like throughout the book. Mm. So yeah, I think it's like a yeah. To me, there was a kind of reassuring message. It's it's a dark message, I suppose, but an ex, like a type of acceptance, which is that like you were always going to lose them eventually somehow. You know, right. Um, that's something you forget, really, because I think mm -hmm. that when you experience loss, you're just like, God, this is so terribly unfair that I'm not getting them back. And it's like, well, that's, yep, that's what happens eventually. Yeah. It happened to you this date. It was going to happen another date, if not the one that it did happen. Yeah. Um, but, God, it must have been so tough to, to grow up with, with your mother um, de like degenerating from, from since you were so young. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was tough. And uh, I'm the oldest in my family. So it was just sort of like, you just had to do what you had to. And um, I mean, my dad was like around, but he was working because he's like supporting all of us since my mom couldn't work. So it was, yeah, I mean, it was tough growing up and dealing with all of that. And so I was like privy to a lot of like, that's where all of this like kind of like the, the like sarcasm, cynicism and sarcasm kind of comes from my mom's like worst moments because even though like despite her being that sick like and I, I don't want to paint like a bad picture of her obviously but like the um she still managed to find joy and I, I like and because of the like length of Milo like and because of the like sort of angle that I'm approaching this story from that it's like late in the diagnosis and like late in um how he's doing it's more of a it's probably like more towards the end of that cycle of like where he, he may have started out with some optimism and that's slowly been like leached away. And that's not something that I noticed with my mom over time to some degree. Um, and she like, I mean, she still did manage to have like bright spots throughout her day. And she knew like, you know, what made her happy, like, and all of that, like, um, but you know when you know you can only do so much when you're dealing with that much and like mm. and you have to obviously like give them room to feel those feelings and give them room to have their like space really is what it boils down to and um and that's kind of like what i was trying to do with my like because there's like there's i think that there's a um tendency to sort of like make martyrs of people who are like chronically sick and stuff like that and like and not to say that we like um, don't and we should like appreciate those people like um, that they are dealing with this and they're like doing so well. Um, 
but like just trying to accept that like realness element there that's there and like and the realness that like you know my mom couldn't always be happy with people like there you know her friends would come by and there were like there were there was always those elements of like her friends would get like annoyed or mad or frustrated because my mom just wasn't happy or something like that or like she wasn't like because she was kind of prickly but mm. like she was <laughs> she was in pain like so i'm um, just trying to like recognize that reality and that's kind of like what milo is like at least what I'm attempting to do with Milo is to kind of just recognize the reality that like, look, like they're, he's just trying to get through and trying to live um, whatever way he, you know, needs to. So. Yeah. Um, well, to be, to be human is to be imperfect. And that gets carried over since there's something, you know, essentially human about him throughout. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Some people say that's what makes us lovable, right? Is the fact that we're imperfect, that without, right. you know, without a need for one another, that, you know, we, then where where does love come into? Do you agree with that? That there's, yeah, and imperfectness. There. Oh um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that there's. Um, I mean, I think that that yeah. I mean, absolutely. Because I mean, I, I think when the idea that people can be perfect, I think is like, obviously a little bit of a, I don't know, a misimage of what humanity is, right? Cause everyone fails. Like everyone has those weak moments. Um, and I don't think it's something to like despair in, obviously. I think it's, you know, what we expect perfection from is like from machines, right? Because we, you know, but machines only have like typically like one or two jobs, right? And if they don't do that job correctly, then we're like, okay, you don't work. Um, and I think that's also maybe that's like a byproduct of like um, our very like consumer society with like how we tend to like treat people is like, well, we demand perfection from you all the time, but that's not how people are. Like people aren't machines where they can just perform a job every day or something like that. So, um, you know, and I think that that definitely like plays into um just our culture, obviously, like without going too um, macro with that, but yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, there are. Do you feel like there's some ethical questions touched upon in the story as well? Tell me about your thoughts. Uh, on yeah, yeah. So, um, I it's kind of it's it's kind of funny because I I so I'll, I'll just out myself. So I am like I'm a Catholic. So like the this idea with the fiction and, and I've been like trying to actually like think about this more and more as I've been writing genre fiction is like, how do I play some of my like values into fiction? And really for Milo, like, um, there's like a couple of different like ethical questions that are coming up for Milo. Right. Because there's like this idea of like a dignity and suffering, um, which, you know, there's, a uh, you know, there's lots of back and forth on that because like, um, you know, from a secular standpoint, like suffering isn't good, obviously, like we should always alleviate suffering and like, you know, we should always take care of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the Catholic standpoint is that like, so if you, you know, hold to the Catholic faith and you believe in God and believe in Jesus, there's like this idea that like suffering is redemptive because like, Christ suffered when he was crucified, not to inject too much into there, but like, but because like Milo isn't like, obviously I didn't make him religious or anything. 
he's like looking for a way to alleviate it. So like the ethical question here for me is like, well, does he just, you know, get a new body? Like, and for me, like being the science fiction writer is like, well, yeah, let's give him a new body and see what happens there. Mm-hmm. And like, um, and the idea, the, I think, I guess uh, one of the ethical questions, I think what you might be like hinting to, I guess here is like, would it be ethical to just like get rid of your old body transfer into a new one and that becomes you um and i'm not i'm not i'm not really sure i'm not like i mean i I have a philosophy degree but like i haven't thought long and hard about that because it's a question of i mean i don't know of what makes us human and the the catholic part of me is like that wouldn't be kosher um because we're our minds and our bodies are one there isn't like a there isn't a separation between the two Mm-hmm. So this idea of like getting rid of your body is an issue as far as like it would be like technically immoral from Catholic standards, but exploring it from um, Milo's take to me was just sort of like, well, what does, you know, is this new body a true solution to what Milo's trying to get away from as mm-hmm. far as like getting away from the suffering and his like, you know, impending death, basically, or like his much sooner death versus what, um, and I know I, this is something that a common request I've gotten from um, readers of Milo is that they want more, or they want like, you know, an expanded edition or something um, to explore that question a little bit more, because I don't necessarily like, you know, do all of the world building in Milo to sort of like be like, well, like what's going to happen as far as like what's the long what's the longevity question, what's the um, end goal of like of all of this, like how is he going to function in society as a robot? Like some of that I don't get into because I'm just strictly just trying to explore like his experience in a new body and what does that do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I don't know. I think that's. To me, that's probably like the principal question for me, at least, without getting into like spoiler territory. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's kind of it's kind of a question of like, what what would we what would you do in that situation? I guess, and I feel like most of us might take the machine body question. You know, like we might take it because mm-hmm. like that's just I feel like humans. Um, you know, we don't like to suffer, right? And if there's an idea to get away from it, right, um, that that would be possible. I always hoped that there would be some sort of, like, um, exoskeleton for my mom down the road or something like that so that she could, like, move around. Um, you know, so, I don't know. Was that was that, was that the ethical question you were thinking of, Leo? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. No, I, 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 yeah. mean, I, I wanted you to, to discuss yeah. it because I know also that you are a Catholic. I've seen you posting about mm-hmm. it and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I, I wanted you to, to explain it from your perspective. Um, so it sounds like yeah. if you had this chance, you would say no on, 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 on the grounds of your faith? Pro- I mean, probably. I mean, it, it's, it's a kind of like it's one of those questions. I don't, because we don't have, um, cause as far as the faith goes, like we aren't really like extending your life beyond what it's supposed to. Like the idea of like, say like mind uploading or something like that's been a, like a big thing. I feel like in pop culture lately too, has been like, 
uh, whether it's like Westworld or I think that um, what was it the like upload show or something on Hulu that like was around for a little bit. Um, like the idea of uploading your mind, it's just like it's it's just a divorced reality of like taking your mind away from your body because your body um, is you as much as your mind is. Like rather mm-hmm. than that, like kind of rather than the Cartesian kind of dualism of like mind versus body. So, yeah. so the um, because like you know it all links back to like theology, which I'm not a theologian in any sense, but it all links back to like the fact that like. Um, when we're all resurrected again, we'll have like our like glorified bodies. So it's not like, so even when we die, those bodies are still going to come back eventually. Um, So, you know, so it's not, I don't know. I feel like there's, um, I don't know. There's a tendency to like, at least from maybe mainstream culture to view Catholicism as a very like more like spiritual thing or like, it's much more, but like, it's very bodily. It's like very, in some ways, like kind of gross with like what, how bodily Catholicism is, um, especially when you deal with like some of the saint stories and like, um, and some of that. But um, for me, like fiction, like as a Catholic, like fiction for me is just like this playground to play around with some of these like ethical dilemmas because like while it might not be, my characters might not be like following my Catholic theology, I like to think that I'm bringing that lens into the story so that I can sort of like, okay, let's like explore this um, from this viewpoint and take it to the, you know, take it to the end or whatever um, and see what happens. Right. Because for me, it's not really a question of like, you know, I never wanted to write, um, you know, I've always gone back and forth on whether I wanted to write Catholic fiction, like exclusively or like stuff that like really embodies like, um, all those values where it would be considered like more like orthodox, um, where it's like true to the faith and all of that, and how much I wanted to like dabble in that, but it's it's a mixture of things. It's like I can still kind of like kind of have a foot in both worlds on that front yeah. um, because I do want to um, be able to like play with characters in a different way, and I don't want all my characters to end up being. I mean, I haven't written a like. I don't know a um a real world narrative where it's like taking place in our contemporary um, mm-hmm. culture at all, but um, I haven't wanted to play with um, like exclusively Catholic characters, at least not yet, because it's I don't know it's a little bit more fun to play with gray characters because you get that easy yeah. conflict from them. So, well, I think that like I think you've done a great compromise with this story because it's like from what I hear from you, it's like these are questions like of interest to Catholicism, I'm going to explore them in a story because like those are important to me and I want to get a wider audience asking them, you know, without necessarily saying like, well, I'm going to shut this story down because Catholics would say no, so we're not going here. You've not done that, you know, which is good. Um, So, I mean, yeah, I want want more of this. I think you can keep doing more of that, personally. (laughs) Um, What was I going to say? I feel like as a writer, like, I've heard this reported that like other writers are not really very connected to their bodies. Like I would mm. easily take this robot thing if it was available. Well, like, maybe, maybe I would, maybe I'm not. I really don't care that much about yeah. my body personally. Right, um, right. So as a writer, I'm just up in my head all the time. So yeah, this yeah. is just this just takes me to the shops to get food to keep <laughs> me alive. It's, 
Right. And I, I'm, I'm honestly the same way to some degree. My, my wife has been on me about running more and whatnot because I, I sit too much as it is just like for my day job and everything else. And, um, and I'm realizing that now, especially with like my, my birthday's next, next month. So it's kind of like, uh, it's like, Oh, gotta, I'm feeling it now. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm definitely the same way. Like, I mean, I, I smoke, socially smoke you know like i i drink probably a little bit too much but like <laughs> it's it's you know it's things that we want to but you want to like enjoy life right like you want to like be able to like enjoy bodily pleasures which is like something that i've always kind of loved about catholicism too because they've always been you know the, we've always been that way like that's just how it how the faith has you know been i was it pope francis was recently quoted uh recently that like he was like sex and eating are like divine gifts from god like that's which is perfect i was like, I was like thank you thank you for reaffirming this for everyone but um but yeah i mean i think uh I, I think yeah i think for writers like i think for us like yeah we we do tend to like be really up here and um yeah i think i think it, yeah that, no that's a something to play around with for sure mm-hmm um just looking at my questions this is a, like this book has a really lovely design can you tell me about like the publisher and how this came about yeah so um <laughs> this was it was actually the the whole story behind so milo i wrote and probably i had gotten i'd heard about this from radix medias is the publisher and they are a um so they're a publisher and also a printing press in brooklyn new york city and so they um, they had put out a call that they were doing the future series, which Milo was a part of, and they were like looking for, you know, like stories that are, you know, looking for like either near or far future as far as, um, dealing with contemporary issues, social issues, that sort of thing. Um, and I, they had, and I think they announced it in like July and I, Maybe, I don't know. I can't remember exactly. They announced it at some point, and I, of course, put it off and then wrote the story in, like, three weeks very quickly and then sent it in and then, you know, didn't hear back for a while until they were starting to go through submissions and everything. And um, they, I mean, they're great. They're, they take, um, because they're also a printing press on top of being a publisher, they were a printing press, or they've been in Brooklyn for, I think, the past 10 years, um, and they've always been, uh, about design. Like they always, they take a lot of pride in what they produce. Um, and so they always make sure that their stuff looks good. Um, and Lance and Sarah and Nick, um, who I worked with, pri like primarily with this, um, they're, they're a great crew. They're, they're awesome. Um, there, it was my actual, um, like you said earlier, like my kind of debut publication and, uh, I had a great experience with them as far as being like, you know, they're obviously like an in, you know, an indie press. Um, but they the communication was great through them as far as like, you know, figuring out edits, which we did like have, have quite a few sessions of going back and forth about like what was going to work for Milo, especially with, um, the, uh, the like binary element, all of that. Mm -hmm. And, um, the the artist they was um it's a uh, nico rocks i believe is his last name he um he's a colombian based artist who does a lot of um 
like some really cool like uh, video stuff i don't even know what like what to call it um sorry nico and uh but he they they knew exactly who to like bring into for this project and i think he did like a really wonderful job with the like illustrations and the color, cover design um they all did really really well so it was really cool to see that especially over I think it was they started working on it in like August and September, you know, leading right right through October. And it was really cool to sort of like see that whole process um, happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the, the art is cool and the way the, the glitches work as well. I felt like I could hear them while I, while I was reading them. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I think I, I believe it was maybe Lance who chose the font like to break out the binary a bit too which was like i think a wonderful choice and yeah no it was i don't know it was definitely really really um gave me a rush to see that <laughs> when it was in its like final product even when he sent me like the final like proof just electronically it was very cool to see so but yeah no that um no but yeah radix media they're they're great over there so mm -hmm. they're still doing, they're doing a lot of cool stuff now, even as far as like, even amongst COVID, they're still, they just, I think they just uh, produced a, um, a prose poem, but in a similar like chapbook format called We Are All Things um, um, by Ganser, I think is his name. Um, so yeah, no, they're, it's cool. It was, I think the future series was only like maybe their second publishing endeavor because um, they had published a collection of like short essays or like short um, like poems and essays and other things. Um, uh, the theme was grief, um, but they they had published that the year before. So because they've I think they just started the publishing endeavor like maybe two or three years ago. So but yeah. Cool. And what is next for you? What are you working on? Do you have any more publications coming? Um, so I don't have any more publications coming, sadly, at least right now. Um, the, uh, Oh, me I, neither. I I've got an <laughs> inbox full of rejections. Oh my God. And they're <laughs> they seem to be getting more brutal over the years. I thought it was getting better. God, I'm just making people angrier. I yeah. should just quit, I think. <laughs> I know. There's, oh there's God, like... I ruined your day. I'm sorry. Jesus. <laughs> should have read that. I um I've been working uh, I did uh, I did well I did submit a couple things I've been like I have this one like um, this one fantasy story that I keep I really believe in but it's written in second person which is always a hard sell for some people love it some people hate it I don't know yeah 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 so it's, I've been coming up dry with that but I'm, I'm gonna I'm planning on reworking it maybe not reworking the POV but I do need to give it another like facelift before I send it out um because i did i did nana remo um in november of last year and that kind of like killed me so i like made the mistake of well i made the mistake of having like a day job a freelance gig doing nana remo while i also have like two toddlers so um which you know typical case of taking too much on and whatever i did write like a like a 50,000 plus like manuscript um not completed but like like a weird kind of like literary science fiction maybe some like weird fiction in there too um 
so we'll see. It's still pretty. It's, I haven't worked with it at all, so it's pretty raw. Um, as far as uh, what I'm trying to work on, I haven't. I don't really have a current project at the moment, just because I've been working through um, my freelance gig has been taking up a lot of my time. Mm-hmm. So, um, and we have uh, personally, well, my wife and I just have a lot of stuff going on as well as far as just jobs and kids and everything else. So. Um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm crossing my fingers because I would love to get back into um, writing, obviously, but I'm hoping that maybe the spring I'll be getting more into it or, you know, back on the horse Um, because I do have, um, aside from the manuscript from Nanarimo, I have um, my MFA thesis. Um, I'm planning on reworking that um, into like, still keeping a lot of the elements but reworking it into being a more like formalized like uh, and publishable like science fiction like probably like space opera ish cyberpunk ish kind of story so um so we'll see where that goes um but uh yeah so more like longer projects is basically what i'm looking at um i haven't i've been kind of like dancing around doing some like shorter like either horror fiction or weird fiction stuff, but you know, otherwise the only writing I've been doing has just been doing like book reviews and um, stuff like that. So, <laughs> you read anything good recently? Mm, let me think. I did read. Um, so I've been trying to widen my <laughs> uh, like genre taste. So I the I think the best book that I've read all year was actually a nonfiction book which um, was an older, uh, a little bit older book called The Omnivore's Dilemma by um, Michael um, Pollan, which he examines like the food industry and like, and how we feed ourselves. And um, he looked at like, uh, you know, like industrial food and big organic and small organic. And then like, like, and then for kicks and giggles, he looked at like what gathering and hunting would look like. Um, and it was probably like one of the best, um, yeah, definitely like probably the best book that I've read all year, um, as far as, uh, like nonfiction goes. Um, I, I read, uh, N.K. Jemison's uh, City We Became, um, which was excellent. Um, huge fan of Jemison's, uh, ever since I read her, the Broken Earth series, like I've been on her bandwagon, so um, that was an excellent read. I do have some uh, to be reads that I'm uh, currently calling my name as far as like, you know, like Mexican Gothic, um, John uh, Langan's uh, Children of the Fang. Um, the, those both are mocking me from the shelf <laughs> as we speak. Um, I'm trying to think as far as like, I haven't read. I would love to pitch a science fiction, but I can't remember off the top of my head if I've read any good science fiction this year. I've been kind of branching out <laughs> as far well, as what I'm reading. I can recommend uh, The Three-Body Problem. Mm. You must have heard of that one. Yeah. I love oh, yeah. Cecil Lu, I think is how you say it. I, I love yeah. his fiction. Like, it's so, so imaginative. It's really easy to read, but it's mm. like the ideas are absolutely wild. Um, yeah. And I'm into the second book, and he's piling ideas onto the ideas of the first book. I'm like, and then there's a third one that's even longer. I'm like, how are you doing this? It's, <laughs> it's just insane. I was kind of reading it like going, will I be able to write this good one day? 
Probably not. Maybe. I don't know. But I'm enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't stop yourself reading like that when you're a writer, can you? You can no longer just go, hmm, I enjoyed that book. It's always just like, what would I have done? How can I use this? You know? Yeah. <laughs> you can't switch yeah. it off anymore. Yeah. yeah, no, it's true. It's true. Yeah, when you're a writer, it does kind of ruin books for you a little Which bit. are your favorite thing. It's the reason you start yeah. writing. Ugh. <laughs> Nightmare. I know, I know. I, I am gonna, I think I am gonna go back and read Dune before the movie, or try to. Yes, so, I'm thinking of that too. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, like, did you grow up with that one? No, that one I came to very late. I, I read it, um, Oh, probably like in high school at some point, um, and then reread it at some point in undergrad. Um, but I read the whole series when I was in high school for the most part. Like read all the kind of like the stuff that his son had written a little bit as far as like the like the house books. Um mm. and then did read his like two follow-ups, which I think I have to reread again to like really like or read in line with all the rest to make sh to see if they actually land or not for me. I know that there's like so much controversy um, concerning like what Brian did and you know the, the, all of those. So um, I don't know. There's definitely something to explore. Um, I don't know. Actually, the thing that I've really gotten into lately have been like graphic, like uh, like comics, essentially like graphic novels for the most part. Like I, I just I actually just burned through all the like wicked and divine um volumes which oh, yeah. was am amazing um even it despite being very like kind of everywhere like it was just um the way it ends was just so so good um so now i'm kind of like on the hunt for like my next series because that's kind of how i work yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but but yeah, no, those are, and those are just a nice break from like looking at, you know, pages of words. So, um, I don't know. I'm a huge Vandermeer fan too. So I have like Vandermeer's like latest and I, he's going to like break my bank because he has like, an, he has the Amber Grease like being re-released at the end of the year. So I'm hoping my bookshelf can take it. So. <laughs> nice. Um, so what is there anything we didn't talk about? Anything we need to cover? I'm trying to think. I don't believe so. I don't believe so. Um, you know, if anyone, I guess, I don't know. If anyone needs to reach me, I mean, they they have they can find me on Twitter, or find my website. But especially if they if they need something asked of Milo that they that it didn't air here. So, but yeah. No, yeah, sure. I appreciate you having me on, though, yeah. it's, uh This has been great. Yeah, of course. So, once again, Milo is out now through Radix Media. Hope you check it out. It's a great story. A very cool book. If you want to be on the show, or if you want to tell me something about the show, whatever it is, you can always do so using losingtheplotpodcast at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Uh, but that's all for this episode. So, until next time, bye-bye.